<laughs> All right, turn we'll it do down. It live. Turn we'll it do down. It. We'll do it live. Who you guys. is this guy? That's uh, a guy, man. It's a guy. It's a guy. It's a guy. You know, sometimes you hear from a guy. It's just a guy. What's up, everybody? Welcome to the DMVR Nuggets podcast. Let's go. Have you ever done a show at six thirty on a Friday before? Is this the first? I'm yes. sure. I mean, we've done so many shows where I'm sure we have. How yeah, many shows do you think we've done, actually? So many. Thousand. Including pregame? 2,000? I only count I only count the shows that we do that are good as shows. And oh, we've done so four? Very few. Four, yeah. four, or five. Uh, guys, Hangover Edition today. We got oh, a couple God. fellas. Yeah. I, I'm prepared. <laughs> More Hangover for some people than others. But uh, yeah, we're going to share some new perspective. I got a rewatch in last night. Do you guys, anybody get a rewatch in? It hasn't no. been that much time. I'm no, not, absolutely I got not. First, no. I got fourth quarter no. only. I've been getting water and McDonald's in. You watched only the fourth quarter. You're like, we're yeah. screwed. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, because I wanted to see, you know, what the big Rui adjustment was or whatever. Yeah. Uh, yeah the big Rui adjustment. So we're going to go over all of that. Also going to share a couple other things that we have, uh, you know, some takes we've heard. The streets. What are the streets saying? We'll go through all that. I got the panel with me, though. Wearing a, a heavy coat. Not sure why. Wearing a heavy coat. Brennan Vogt. It's a nice shirt. Uh, we're throwing it. We got a little private event tonight. I That's got, a shirt. I got dressed up ahead of time for it. It is a shirt. Yeah. Oh, I thought it's that was felt. a heavy coat. Looks felt. Yeah. You know, it you looks know. good. I'm wearing a black t-shirt, dude. I'm not trying to stunt no, on I, you. Listen, dude, this is I what love I, this part of the show. I, this is Adam's <laughs> game to be like, oh, hey, this guy with this Eric, thing on his face, so and then you're like, shirt. is that weird? And you're like, oh, man, why are you bringing it up? You're like, I. I'm just sitting here, bro. Yeah. The only time we ever talk about each other's clothing on this show, the first minute of it. Yeah. Do you guys not like my flow? Are we on? Do, can we <laughs> Den- Denver man here. Uh, what's up, very, guys? Very touchy with his hangover. Uh, very hungover. Moderately touchy. You should just hair the dogget tonight. I'm gonna. I think I'm gonna uh, full other dog of the dogget. Just a second dog. <laughs> and then over there, Harrison Wind. Mm. Didn't have anything to say about my. Apparently, clothes. I'm not allowed to. I got. I, I thought this was a fun panel. I guess not. No, Pull. it's just like fun, fun to point pan. out that it's the only time we ever talk about. <laughs> I got one. Wind looks real Brooklyn today, doesn't he? Hey, I'm yeah. filling in for you. Hey, I'm potting here. <laughs> the most New York guy here. So Nuggets get the big win last night. Um, dominate the first three quarters. Kind of trip up a little bit in the fourth. On rewatch, it felt to me a little bit like it was probably more attention to detail than anything. They gave up some transition stuff, missed some easy shots. But you guys were at the arena. We were here at the bar. We already heard our takes. I kind of want to hear what you guys thought. And I'll start with you, Harrison, since we talked to Vote last night. But start us off just with sort of the experience of it all and, and, and what stood out. The experience of it all. Well, we were talking about how after media day, it did not seem that big. Like the finals didn't seem that much of a, like circus it didn't seem like this whole event it just seemed you know bigger than the playoffs but not huge last night felt huge like last night game one it felt like i expected the finals to feel up until the game started like <laughs> there was a lot of just tension in the totally. air the lights felt bright um there was just a ton of anticipation uh like right before the nuggets came out for uh, layup lines like in the air tonight by Phil Collins was playing. Like yeah. it felt like a moment. And yeah. it was. I mean, it's game one of the finals. But then the game started and it just felt like another game. Yeah. <laughs> because that's how the Nuggets played it. And like that's why they look so comfortable because to them, it just was another playoff game. And um that's really how it felt for the rest of the night, for the rest of the four quarters. Like leading up to the game. It felt like this is the biggest moment in franchise history. 
And then, again, once the game started, it was just like, oh, okay. This is the Nuggets. They're good. Strong agreed. That Jamal Murray layup uh, up and over contact, and then he gives a little shout in the crowd. Oh, man. And it was exactly what you said, that all you could sort of feel the excitement melt into um, something more like it was a warmer excitement, almost closer to expectation. Like, oh, yeah, these are the Denver Nuggets we've watched all year. They know what to do, and Jamal looks ready to play. Yeah. Yeah. I also wondered, I mean, watching it, I said this going in. I expected a lot of default setting. I thought maybe they would guard him one-on-one a little bit more. They did it for like three possessions in the uh, it was the second or third quarter, and Yoke, it was just like so overwhelmingly dominant that maybe their plan was to try that for more. A lot of times, road teams in game one will try a couple different strategies so they have tape on everything. But Yoke was so dominant in the one-on-one parts that I think they just went away from like, all right, we're not, that's, we're not, we don't need another quarter of this. But I do feel like there was a lot of default... I mean, the default starting lineup, you know, default defensive coverages and different things. And Denver, maybe because they had so many days off, they were more prepared to adjust and do different things. And Miami was more content to be like, let's not put too much. I mean, what do you think they practice? Win one day? Miami? Yeah. Yeah. Well, they really just had like the fake media day practice. <laughs> right. I think they get another <laughs> practice. I'm guessing they probably get I mean, a that secret was, practice. Yeah. In. That was like the next day after they arrived in Denver. Um, yeah, the Nuggets looked very, very prepared. And look, I mean, they had been like deep by default preparing for the Heat throughout most of that Boston series. You know, so I felt like they were totally prepared. They wanted Bam Adebayo to try to beat them. He did try to beat them, and I feel like the game for more than you know three quarters of it for for most of it just went how the Nuggets wanted it to go. Like it um, went by, it went by the script, kind of. Um, D line, any now that you've you've digested it, along with several shots of Rakia. And I didn't digest that. I threw it back up. Oh, okay. Um, but Ooh, TMI. <laughs> that's actually not true. Uh, okay. I um, I feel like um, I mirror what you're talking about. The finals feeling like like. It just was like, oh my God, what is this going to do? Like, I I have this vision of my in my head of how this is going to go. I just think they're going to be so much more dominant. I always am checking and rechecking my feelings on the Nuggets to make sure that they're true and they're not like just guided by my desire. But I just was like, I I think they're going to kick. They're just going to beat the <laughs> hell out of them. Like they're just so much bigger. And then it started. And I was like, oh my god, they're beating the hell out of them. They're so much bigger. And then I was just watching. Like, oh my god, this is like, there's no tension here. This is unbelievable. This is a two-hour, three-hour, what long party? Essentially, it's just a. Is there anything about that though that's un- that's not satisfying? Uh, it, it's not satisfying in that you know you want that like feeling of exhilaration like yeah. the, oh but i have just come to realize in probably the nuggets already played the finals against the suns uh we're not going to get a better uh like series than that and so was that the best series yes so far? that's that one game taken two games taken no games taken this is a good chance to be no games taken that is going to prove to be their more most formidable opponent because Devin Booker was like from another planet for a few games. Um, but I just am saying Denver won game five of that series by 16 points and game six which of that series by 25. 
which so which saying, other series is more would you more equate to the finals well, then? The only other choice might <laughs> the, be Minnesota. Yeah, the, it's a little semantic, but that's the point I'm making over here is part of me feels like Minnesota played Denver closer. All the games were close outside of the first one. Whereas the Suns just got two games from a godlike performance from Devin Booker. And, the and, nugget, eked, and everybody on the Nuggets was sick. And they eked out the wins. And then when Denver got back to for game five, they just smacked the hell out of them for the next yeah, two games. Yeah, but they're about to sweep the heat in the finals. I, I mean, they're one game in. Yeah, and they beat... So the, the thing we're talking about is like, okay, so the two I mean, teams... I think they're going to win. The but. two teams like line up, and um, we get their default punch. Yeah, yeah, and Denver's yeah. default punch oh, is so much strong. more devastating than Miami's that they have to now fully rely on adjustments. And like, how many adjustments can they make that are going to be that meaningful? Well, you're. I think you're 100% right, and we're going to get into some of that here in a bit. But I also will say they are an adjustment team. Like they're sure. not that their default punch is not that good. That's why they were an eight seed. It's why they lost to Atlanta in the play-in game and then barely beat Chicago. It's because they're not that their best punch isn't that good, but they are a let's make adjustments and they just have guys that know how to do it. Whether they have the personnel or not, I don't know. Well, it'll be to, to be determined. Um if we go through this though, here's another thing, vote. Game one of the first round, Denver wins by twenty-nine points. After that, nine points, nine points, lost in overtime, three points. They were all close after that. Second round, same thing, 125-107, close, 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 you know, all the way there. Then the end, they obviously took over in Phoenix. And then the Lakers games, blowout, close, close, close. Do you feel like this follows the same script? Blowout, but the next ones are going to all be tough? It's very, very possible. One thing that's different, though, is it's not like Denver was... That was not a prolific shot-making night for the Denver yeah. Nuggets. They shot worse from three than the Miami Heat, and it is perfectly fair to point at Struess, Strout, Struess, Duncan Robinson, those guys, and say they'll be better in game two, and that's fair, and I think they will. But any conversation about regression has to include, if not start with Michael Porter Jr., two of 11, one of seven from wide open three, same with KCP. So... That sort of avalanche effect we've seen in game ones, it wasn't Denver's best punch, you know, wasn't their strongest avalanche. That could still come in game two if the shots fall. Having said that, uh, I do expect it to get a little closer. I do expect, you know, that Lakers series is funny because it was a sweep and it was never close as a series, but each of those games were close. Yeah. And I could see Miami having, you know, some games that are like that and that it feels competitive for four quarters. Yeah, I mean, Denver, yeah, you're right. Five-point game, 11-point game, and then a two-point game. It was close. It wasn't quite as close, I think, as everybody makes it sound. I mean, they did win by 17, and then by... But you're right. I'm with you. Yeah, I'm with you, I'm too. just saying, I don't too. want... We're being, I think, fair about this, but there are people that are going so far as to, like, man, they had a chance in every game. Like, well, it's, Denver it's, won by 11. It's like, it was same. close, but it wasn't like... Last night, last night was the 20-point win masquerading as an 11-point It is. It's and the half same of thing. the Lakers series was that, too, is yeah. my point. Half yeah. of the it was a 20-point win that turned out to only be nine. It's the yeah. fourth It's the fourth game one, right, in a row here where the other fan base is going to go, you know, I could see that one going our way next time. Right, right. <laughs> and it's like, yeah, I mean, but it, it, what it, the thing about Denver is they don't need one way to win, right? The Boston Celtics go 7 of 29 or whatever Denver was from three. Right. They're losing that game, right? The Denver Nuggets won. Were you surprised at all when by how much this felt like just a game? And I don't mean like all the surrounding stuff was obviously big, but once the game got going, it didn't feel more intense to me. Part because I think no. Denver was so comfortable. Yeah, I mean, I guess it did surprise me a little bit, and it didn't at the same time. I asked Aaron Gordon after 
um, just why is this team so comfortable, like in the spotlight and in the bright lights, all playoffs long and in the finals. And he just answered it with, because we've been doing the same thing and building these habits all season. So that's why the lights don't affect us. Cause we just default to the habits we've been building all year. And it's like, yeah, I mean, I guess that makes sense. Like yeah. the nuggets are just so comfortable in their own skin. They're so connected. They're just on the same track that they've been all playoffs. They're just doing the same thing. So it surprised me at first because right before game one, like you could feel it. It, it felt different. Just the environment and the building, the energy in there, the people that were there, um, even though there was only like one celebrity, Ken Jong, the only celebrity at game one so weird which was pretty hilarious they rolled off the red carpet for him he was like out there shooting half quarters with rocky I, I at love, one point i love that colorado was like come on yeah probably could have put on a nuggets uniform last night and sat on the bench i'm not gonna lie but um it felt like a huge event and then once the game started again it was just like oh this is what the nuggets have been doing all playoffs yeah, like I, they are ready for this like jamal murray told us at, at the game one against the Suns. I swear to God, this all comes, just stems from the confidence that they all have and the confidence that Nikola Jokic has in him. Yeah. Like yeah, he, we've watched right. Nikola Jokic play in, uh, we saw him play in, in Serbia and it was a very big moment. It was very clear. You felt the weight of the whole country. You felt the expectation, all the things that you could apply to, you know, sort of an NBA finals. And he was so like, he just does, he's just, just like, does what he does he just does it he's like yeah i don't know why it's easy for me i just do it like okay am i, am I worried that i'm not going to be able to do it no i just do it so yeah. and then everybody's like like why are we nervous like, i know gonna, i mean you guys probably talked about it last night but the Jokic quote about people making the finals know, a way bigger it. deal than it is i love like it. are you kidding <laughs> somebody should ask somebody's gonna ask Jokic like what do you have planned this week and he's like oh what do i have planned <laughs> Pool time. He's like, I know. Oh, pool time. Yeah. I got a couple walks in the schedule. I oh, I got the finals. I got the finals. Yeah, that is, you know, every every third which day. day though? Do we know which day? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sure. We just touched on this, but I think a part of the reason why it felt the action itself, if it felt anticlimactic to anyone, is part of because our introduction to the playoffs with Jokic and Maria Malone were these insane oh roller coasters, these seven game, yes, like just assaults on your heart rate, you know? And because actually the Nuggets <laughs> talented enough as they were at the time, they were not ready yet. Yeah. And there was a lot of, and that can cre create more playoff tension. What we're watching right now is a team that's more mature than virtually every opponent in their path. And it's, it's almost weird to what we're, we're waiting for the playoff thrill because Denver just seems to be snuffing out all the hope. Yeah, you know? that's so true. It is funny to think that we came into this. Boring. We came yeah. into this playoffs thinking, can Denver win in less than six or seven? And it's right. like, right. can anybody get to six or seven right. against Denver? Boy, we're getting whiplash from this. The we are just. I hate it. Our big market energy is disgusting. <laughs> it's not fully here yet, but you know what? Who knows? Maybe it'll arrive three, if they pull this whole thing off. I'm not quite as ready as Eric is, even though my head tells me I'm with you 100. percent My heart still tells me like to be guarded. Yeah. Well, it's not your heart. It's the scars and wounds you carry with you every day of your life that we have accumulated every time you watch a season of sports. 
Joke's on you. I've had an ablation surgery. I have a scar on my heart. Oh, man, that is hilarious. Checkmate. That's not <laughs> funny you. at all. I feel, gotcha. like, I feel like the joke's on you. There. Well, it is true. My heart does have issues. Uh, let's take a break. On the other side, I want to get into some notebook notes from my rewatch. And just as a point of conversation, a couple of things that stood out to me that cool. I think are interesting. Guys, Saturday Neon. Saturday Neon is a company started by two friends and former college roommates at CU, great university. They make officially licensed collegiate logo LED neon signs. They're Denver-based. Whether you're a diehard or a casual supporter, you'll love the way these signs light up your space in buffs colors. They got tons of different signs as well. Whatever college you need, Saturday Neon has got you set. Um, they're shipped with everything you need to mount, power, and dim. So every sign is super easy to install and operate. Looks great in your office. Looks great in your man cave. Looks great in a sports bar as well. It does. Well. We have a few of them hanging up. Yeah, they're beautiful. We actually have three Saturday oh, yeah. Neon signs in the bar. If you come, it's the big CU one, the big Rams one, and the bun they did custom for us, the DNVR yeah. bar you'll, you'll know them when you see them. You'll be like, they're oh, yeah, cool. that's Saturday Neon. Uh, so go to SaturdayNeon.com, use the code DNVR for 10% off your order today. Free shipping for orders over $200. Officially licensed for 19 select schools, including Colorado, Arizona, Alabama, Wisconsin, Auburn, and many others. Again, if you have an office, a man cave, dorm room, basement, bar, they are perfect for that. SaturdayNeon.com, use the code DNVR a bar. for 10% off your order today. Free shipping for orders over $200. We do have a bar. We actually um, have the Saturday Neon. Also, yeah. oh, that's right. Take on the Sun with gear built to last with Shady Rays. Oh, let's go. Um, we're getting some new Shady Rays to the company. Just let's saw the uh, order sheet go out. Um, can't wait for that. You guys can get, can get hooked up with some pairs of Shady Rays as well. When you go to ShadyRays.com, use the code DNBR, get 50% off two plus pairs of Shady Rays polarized sunglasses. Perfect for the summertime. This is exclusive for our listeners. ShadyRays.com, use the code DNBR, 50% off two plus pairs, polarized sunglasses. Go to their website. They got tons of different styles. A lot of them look like the more expensive brands that you've probably been spending money on over the years. Shady Race has tons of different designs, perfect for every occasion. ShadyRays.com, use the code DNVR for 50% off two plus pairs. All right, back here, second segment, getting into some notebooks. But I see in the comments here, I was going to bring this up a little bit later, but somebody says, isn't the record eight wins? Was it eight wins or nine wins in a row for the Nuggets? I think it's nine. Now, nine, I think right? it's nine, yeah. yeah. And so Denver currently, I believe, sitting at seven, which means if they win their next three games to win the championship, it'll be the longest streak in the Jokic era and would culminate with a championship. It would come not just wow. in the playoffs, but at the literal hardest portion of the schedule possible. That would be the longest streak. I find that to be hilarious. Yes, the streak stops because it has to. <laughs> dude, and not only that. Can they pick it up night one of the regular yeah, dude, season? That's next the year. craziest no. thing is that. <laughs> a different team. We were talking about this. That tells you everything you need, need to know about Nikola Jokic and no. his motivation. And if he wants to win a game, he can win a game. Mm, in no. the playoffs, he's interested in winning every single time. In the regular season, the man looks at it like a marathon. He sometimes shoots two times. Yeah, sometimes yeah. whatever. But it's not like. It's that you don't have the uh, knife to your throat every night in the regular season like you do in the playoffs. Like You have to perform, and when they need to, they just do. I don't think he treats it like a marathon. I think he treats it like if we sent you to high school art class. 
Oh, so and he's just like look, looking for chicks. <laughs> yeah, yeah, was, oh, wait, oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> no, no, you dirty dog. You're not automatically 14 years old again. <laughs> oh my god. No, you're the same you're guy. You're still your really illegal uh, <laughs> Oh my. <laughs> Are we still alive? <laughs> no, but I just mean that I think the regular season he's just like this is yeah, so no. boring. Yeah, it's like, what are you yeah, doing? Like, he is good. Oh, it's final exam time. Okay. Yeah, totally. Yeah. Well, if you want to know what the streets are saying, I was I was talking to the streets last night oh. and um we'll the streets this talking, think though. that that record could be broken <laughs> the streets are predicted a sweep the the streets are saying this series is over really the streets the na- the national media streets all right we were going to do this in segment three but we can oh, do okay. it now so I thought we're doing it now all right <laughs> i thought you were skipping it actually i wanted to make sure I got it. <laughs> all right we'll circle back to it let's circle back right, to it. i want to do some right. notebook notes so the there's a couple things and i'll have a list coming out actually rg is going to edit it. it's going to be a good list this time oh that's good uh but it's there's a couple things that i thought were interesting number one the he were fronting Jokic you know that was part of their big strategy was they were going to just front him and then trust the backside help but what I love about this Nuggets team the continuity the chemistry that they have very first play of the game Bam fronts Jokic in the post Jokic just screens him because that's what you do whenever a player that's what the Nuggets like to do when a player fronts you Murray without missing a beat goes right into dribbling around and gets the hang time layup you know at the rim But, but it was just like a team made a game plan and adjustment that took Denver less than a second to be like, oh, we know what we do here. The first pick and roll. The very first play. It wasn't it was even a pick and roll. It was like a post yeah, up. Yeah, he was like, right. oh, he's fronting. I'll yeah, just screen yeah. him. Murray, go yeah. lay up. And it was one of those ones that they did all night. Denver has three or four things they like to do when you front that, you know, you can flash a guy and then you do the high low or, um, you know, they can ISO. Like one time Aaron Gordon gets an ISO on the wing and he sees he's supposed to post Jokic up, but he sees Bam front him. And Jokic kind of looks at him like, you go because the rim protector is now out of position. Right. He ISOs Jimmy Butler and gets a wide open layup out of it. And it's just one of those things where Denver, they've been playing together so yep. long yep. that the adjustments come so much faster. Yeah. In real time. Yeah. In real time without a timeout or anything. Yeah. Well, they have been playing together for forever. They do have just that chemistry and that synergy. But the other biggest part of it is you have to give Michael Malone and the Nuggets coaching staff yeah. a ton of credit. Like they have had yeah. this team so prepared for every series that they've gone into. Yeah. And I think that's a big reason why they've dominated every game one. Yeah, they have been no over prepared. And I think you see it as a result of plays like that where they just know the adjustment automatically. And, I mean, chemistry can take you a long way, but I, I think for, like, as much hate that was thrown Michael Malone's way this regular season, like, he has been on point in the yeah. playoffs. And, like, that coaching staff deserves a ton of credit because they've been prepared. They've been yeah. absolutely prepared for yeah. everything that they've seen this postseason. So true. That's yeah. a great point. Um and by the way, you said Malone, he was asked pregame about being nervous or whatever. His daughter asked him, and he's like, you know, I'm not because I know we're prepared. He also gave his team a test, apparently, at shoot-around, yeah. and they passed. Yeah. According to Jokic, never happened. Yeah, but according to Jokic, he didn't get a test. I, I love those stories. Those are my favorite actual stories. Who do you believe? Honestly, <laughs> Jokic. And you know what? I'm writing the column yeah, anyway. Yeah, yeah, it's probably yeah. a bit The column, column was written, by the way. I read it. it was, there was one out there yeah. about it. Um, but here's the thing. Malone 
said he was calm going into this one. But he showed he was calm in the previous one by talking shit after game one. (laughs) This is how you know Michael Malone, who runs hot. Against LeBron James. Against LeBron James. Michael Malone, who runs hot, has been so relaxed. How many rage timeouts have there been all playoffs? Five? They're like, then now they're just like encouragement timeouts. (laughs) Now it's like, wait, Malone should probably take a timeout here. He took his first rage timeout halfway through the third quarter last night. And I was like, whoa. Yeah. Yeah, that's definitely a sign that he's. He knows his team is prepared, man. And also real growth on his part. Like a little chicken of the egg because everything's great right now. But Jamal Murray cited this as Malone's biggest improvement. That he just, the huddles all used to be so emotional. And that Malone's gotten so much better at. And he talked about this last night or or recently in one of these availabilities. Picking his spots. Picking and choosing when you play emotional cards. When you hit really hard, come down really hard. And so there's emotional maturity in the coach as well. He has been the t- he has the team prepared, but he has been so prepared for this. Yeah, so I love that one. The other one was Denver playing drop versus Bam Adebayo, and and in particular against Jimmy Butler pick and roll. So really, you're talking about the defensive coverages against different guys: Max Struess, Duncan Robinson, Yokes coming up to the level of the screen from on most of those. Kyle Lowry. Uh, Jimmy Butler in particular, just dropping. And it, what it allows is Yoke's not a great rim protector, but Bam's also not that great of a lob catcher. You know, as, as mobile and as everything as he is, he's not like Gobert or one of those guys that's always up above. Smaller. Yeah, he's kind of part of it's because he's so small. But it allowed Jokic to, one, muck up the paint, and it allowed the perimeter players to stay home to try to mitigate the kickouts, which is really the only, I don't want to say the only way, it's by far the most likely way Miami's going to beat you is by getting a bunch of kickout threes. And, and shooting 50% from three. And Denver dropping like that, one, they used their length. Michael Porter had some great contests, you know, chasing screens and this or that. But two, it really funneled the ball to Bam and just kept getting Bam shots. And he had it going for a while, but it, even when they had it going, it was like, as the game wore on, you were kind of like, does Bam realize that's what they want him to do? That they want him to be taking all these shots? And to me, that was the other big adjustment. I think that that one, I think Miami's going to have some counters for. I'll talk about it in a second. But we don't see Jokic drop the way he did last night, and it just worked very well. Yeah. When it comes to dropping in the defense they played against Jimmy Butler, I did go back. Part of the game I did rewatch is just all Jimmy Butler shots. Yeah. And... He got to the rim, I think, on his second basket of the game, drove right by Michael Porter, and then I don't think got to the rim again until late in the fourth quarter. And the reason no pressure on the rim from the whole team. Yeah. And the reason was they just forced him to take mid range shots. Yeah. And look, like he can hit those shots. He Jimmy Butler actually, if you go back and watch the ones he missed, he missed a lot of shots that he can definitely make. Like they're they're very makeable shots, but they're mid-range jumpers. Yep. And and Jokic is way better than people think at kind of playing the in-between game and dropping, but also like getting a hand up and bothering you a little bit. And they just made Jimmy Butler take, you know, the 15 to 20 footers. Yep. And the Heat aren't going to beat the Nuggets if Jimmy Butler has to take those shots every time. As long as they keep him out of the paint so they can stay home on those shooters, like I felt like they played that matchup perfectly. Good. I was going to say, I don't think, I think Jimmy knows that too. Sometimes it's like, oh, why doesn't, why isn't Jimmy taking those shots? Because I don't think Jimmy saw that as the path to victory. He's this alpha yeah, male, yep. but he's not a, I need to shoot 60 times. Yep. He actually is far more of a team player than yeah. these sort of psychological descriptions might imply. Yeah. 
So I think he was aware of that too. And it's that's the thing, man. That wasn't even a night where Denver was generating a lot of points per possession. But even still, those tough twos, if your perimeter shooters are not involved and, and confident, you're likely losing that arms race. It's exa- I, there are so many times where you could tell the Heat found themselves in an area the Nuggets were just conceding. Yep. Running across the uh, across the lane, finding themselves wide open at like the nail, and like not being ready to shoot, not feeling confident. They're like Max Struess or some guy that you would typically expect to feel like good and be like, okay, I'll shoot that. Bam, same thing. Like, and they didn't. They were just so off kilt. They were like, didn't. They're like, I don't want to shoot this. So then they make a, some weird bad pass right. back out top, and the the entire offense is scrambled. It was mm. like. Man, they do not, they are not on the same page with whatever Denver is giving them right now. Or they just, I mean, which I guess that could be argued, that could be just an adjustment is sort of like being able and ready to capitalize on wide open mid ranges versus it being a surprise and then having to adjust on the fly. So, <laughs> yeah. And I think that the adjustment is going to be bam, you can't drop against the good shooters. And I think Miami is going to have to disguise their DHO and pick and roll actions more and tell Bam, and he got this in the fourth quarter, by the way, to stop taking those as your point, funneling him into it. And they started, you know, to realize that was the plan. And instead, have him just run into a dribble handoff with one of the good shooters. So Jokic drops, he's seven, eight feet off. You turn and throw it to Max Struess and then run and run set it, the pick right. and roll. Now Yoke has to like sprint up because he was in drop. Draymond. And, and exactly. And he has to come up and do that. And I think that that's going to be something that they look at, disguising those actions because drop to show is so different. And if Yoke misguesses any of those, they're kind of like screwed. They're like way out of position. And I just think they're going to end up doing a little bit more of that. Um, again, it's all of those adjustments are things like, okay, it might work for a bit. Denver will probably adjust to that. But, but what do you know? Um, I thought a lot of the biggest thing, honestly, from game one is Denver size, both defensively and offensively. But the where the size got compounded was in transition. Yeah. And I don't there wasn't very many fast break points, but that's not the point. The point was every time Miami missed, Denver would sprint down the court, not get a fast break, but force them to match up. And if the matchups weren't exactly perfect, first of all, if they were perfect, Denver still scored at a good rate. But if they weren't perfect with Jimmy Butler on Aaron Gordon, if it was Struess or Vincent or Robinson or uh, uh, Lowry or any of those other guys on Aaron Gordon, it was baby food. And that happened throughout the game, not always just to Aaron Gordon, but even to Michael Porter. Whenever Denver would push the ball down the court, it didn't turn into an immediate basket, but it turned into them being so compromised that Denver scored easy. Mm. I think that's the piece of all of this. They were not putting pressure on the rim, to your point. He wasn't going. But part of that's by design. They're so worried about transition that they're just like not putting pressure on the rim as rebounding or as drives because they want to make sure they don't have to cross match. And I just think that they're going to have to make a decision, and it's super high risk no matter which one you pick. But it was so clear that they were worried about transition, and for good reason. Yeah. Yeah. I remember when the Nuggets beat the Blazers in that series a couple of years ago, like Aaron Gordon feasted against that Portland team because of the same reasons that he feasted in game one. He was just so much more physical and stronger and more powerful than his matchup. And, and Denver looked for it a lot in that series. And I just loved how the Nuggets looked for that matchup from the opening tip. Right. Like 
really immediately when the game started, Aaron Gordon had, what, 12 points in the first quarter? 10 minutes. They were, and they were quick. Like, it was in the first five minutes or so where right. he racked all those up. And it's like Denver just knew that was going to be a matchup that they could exploit. And now, and you saw that in the second half, like, that is going to be something that Miami has to think about the rest of the series because they don't have a matchup for him. Like, you have to double team Aaron Gordon, you know, in those situations. And that says it's like not what you want to do and as a defense. They thought about it. I don't think it was a call from the sideline or anything, but Gordon was cooking, posted up, had position, mismatch. And Caleb Martin, who spent a fair amount of time on MPJ, you could see him go. He's like, I think I'm going to double on the catch this time. Gets to the paint, stops, realizes he just left Michael Porter Jr. alone in right. the corner and goes, I don't think we can double team Aaron Gordon. And he's right. But they also can't stop Aaron Gordon. And what Denver is really good at is they found that. They didn't press that button all game. Right. It was timely, and, and, and they pressed it early. And then they fell back into a lot of what they would prefer to do. So they know they sort of know how to, how to take what you're giving them, and they have so many ways to win. I think Denver's starting lineup is a near-perfect collection of talent. The only flaws, <laughs> yeah. in my opinion, are that Michael Porter doesn't handle the ball well enough, so when you need secondary creation, I agree. him and KCP aren't always great. And Aaron Gordon doesn't shoot the ball well. So if you get a big player at power forward, then it, they can clog the paint and he, you know he's not a great floor spacer. Denver obviously knows how to mitigate those weaknesses, but they're the only thing that make them not perfect. That's insane. And, and the thing is, Aaron Gordon is so overwhelming as a just bully ball player that if you don't have a player to match up with him, it doesn't matter that he can't shoot. He's just murdering you inside. And that's yep. what we saw in the series. So to your point, so in transition, they were getting they were getting buckets because the cross matches and Miami can't put pressure on the rim unless they are getting unless they're giving up more of those, which I think they're it's a bad trade off for them. But if they were to go to a bigger player, a Kevin Love, Denver also did a great job of getting forcing them to fight through screens because they didn't want to switch on pin downs and on basic actions where Gabe Vincent might run into Aaron Gordon and then have to switch. And that's why I think Denver has, again, it's early to really proclaim this, but it's my opinion if I'm projecting, I think they have him in a little bit of a checkmate from a personnel standpoint to where all of the little things that they can try to adjust to, the best you could hope is that it confuses them because they do have answers for all of it. It's Dude. just, will they figure it out in real time like they did in game one. They have two players that have shown that can be literally unstoppable, and it is Jokic and AG. And if you have one of those guys, you have already your uh, your queen set up for the checkmate. Right, right. If you have a second one, it's like, okay, we double Jokic. Oh, no, Aaron Gordon's <laughs> available. Oh, I guess we double Aaron Gordon. Oh, no, Jokic is available. Like, yeah. what, you just hop back and forth. You just get destroyed you're like oh we're gonna clog the paint like okay cool jamal murray's open and now uh, I, I like that metaphor though because it is like ch a chess where the other team you know the other guys maybe only has a, a knight and a rook or something you have all your pieces but also a second queen for yeah, some reason yeah you're just like <laughs> yeah yeah also and like, you get to move as much as you want like yeah. also i know kevin love is like six foot eight but yeah. He's not guarding Aaron Gordon. Yeah. I, mean, I mean, come on. So that's my thing, is even if you don't <laughs> <Come on>. think <laughs> about all the ripple effects, I think if you just play it straight up, Denver would actually punish him. Yes. But then you think about, well, what if you just ran Aaron Gordon and, and Jamal Murray pick and roll? So now Love is on Murray and I would actually Lowry feel a little bad for Gordon. Kevin like, Love if they put him out there to try to guard Aaron Gordon. The hope is that <laughs> Don't he, do that to Kevin The hope Love. is that he could make threes. Um, and, he, and this leads to um, a little bit of another... Let me see here. Actually, no. let's take a break. We need a break, and then we'll get back. And I have a couple more notes from this that I think are in, that, again, might lead to some conversation in game two. 
Uh, Father's Day is right around the corner, guys. Oh, and you know what would be a great Father's Day gift? What, from for Bam to give to Jokic? No, for you to give to your father. Oh, uh, that's the first. The first one is more likely. <laughs> the second one was a bigger burn. Uh, hook him up with Manscaped. Let's go. Hook him up with Manscaped. Uh, that'd be a really weird gift. It I know, would. It really would be. But I mean, you and I both know he needs some serious grooming in his life. So grab your dad the Performance Package 4.0, and he'll thank you for helping him tame his beast. Don't tell him it's for Father's Day. <laughs> Just drop it off. Don't tell him who it's from. Uh, it's a win-win situation. Go to manscaped.com. Use the code DNVR for 20% off plus free shipping. Uh, hook them up with the Lawnmower 4.0. Their fourth generation trimmer features cutting edge ceramic blade and to reduce grooming accidents thanks to their advanced skin safe technology. Oh. Uh, you also get a 4000K LED spotlight on the uh, Lawnmower 4.0. Which it turns out you need. I didn't know that. Yeah, you I definitely did. need it. Yeah. You're um, not as familiar with the areas you think you might be. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> the uh, Lawnmower 4.0 even allows you to customize your trim through additional guard lengths with sizes one through four. Um, with this package, you also get the Weed Whacker 2.0 nose and ear hair trimmer. Now we're talking. The best nose hair trimmer on the market. Let's go. And the perfect gift for your pops. That one might be a little more comfortable to yeah, give to them as a present. I think so. <laughs> yeah, you must be like, hey, I got you a present <laughs> uh, for me to you. Yeah. Uh, 20% off plus free shipping at manscaped.com. Use the code DNVR. This year, show your original home some love with Manscaped. Oh, man. What? Customize your trim. <laughs> Who writes these? Did you, did you hear that last line? Yeah. <laughs> your original home? Think of your dad's uh, Yeah, balls? that's what they're talking about, man. I'm, gl I'm, I'm glad you unpacked it. <laughs> Holy smokes. <laughs> um, also, if you need tickets to sporting events, concerts, shows, maybe game two of the NBA finals, check out Game Time. Use the code DNVR for 20% off your first purchase on Game Time. Uh, they've got these great last minute Price drops on game time. If you're thinking about going to game two of the finals, tickets are very expensive. We saw that for game one. They did drop like 200 bucks. So it was like 950 to like 750. I, from you, I think you get day. it for five something wow. right before game one. I'm sure game two will be pretty similar, maybe even cheaper. Uh, so check out the game time app. Um, use the code DNVR when you create an account. Redeem that code DNVR for $20 off your first purchase terms apply but again create an account redeem code dmvr for 20 percent off download the game time app today last minute tickets lowest price guaranteed all right back here one other note i had was they staggered bam a little bit to go against the bench and when i say that the miami heat were not putting pressure on the rim that was very deliberately and obviously true except when Jokic was not on the court. Mm. They are not afraid of Denver's transition in the other minutes very much, and they got a bunch of offensive rebounds. In fact, one possession, I think they had like four or five offensive rebounds. Yeah. So to me, that is another thing that I wouldn't be surprised. Again, none of this stuff I think works long-term, but I wouldn't be surprised if they tried to play Kevin Love, Zeller, maybe even try some other combinations of bigs to let Bam rest so that Bam can come in and try to dominate it's funny, he's too little to guard Yoke, but he's probably too big for Jeff Green and, and Aaron Gordon. And they might try to mix that up and have him out there a little bit more in those minutes to just kind of overwhelm. Again, I don't know if it'll work, 
but it, but it's one thing I thought about. Yeah. Um, the bench offense against the Miami zone in the first half worked, but it was not that impressive. I think Denver got two of their baskets just like passing the ball around and then end of shot clock, Jamal just shot a three and it went in. Yeah. End of shot clock, Michael Porter just shot a three and went in. Jeff Green got like a right-handed hook from like the foul line to go, which was kind of a shaky shot. Like they survived it, but I don't think it was pretty. Um, On that, that play, Bam was for some reason like he didn't even challenge the shot. Yeah, do you know the one I'm talking about? He like stood there and was like, I "Oh, think we're going to Jeff Green's basket." Jeff Green's yeah. basket, yeah. And His he and Bam one, yeah. was kind of like, "Oh, we'll let you have that." And I remember thinking, "Why? If yeah. you guard him, he'll never make it. If you leave him open, he'll make it at least something." <laughs> He's right. like, "This is a defensive adjustment," and I also I just don't want it. It was really weird. Yeah, but those minutes were a little shaky. But Denver just made a couple threes, and it, it was fine. Right, and and Murray in particular, I I just think he has to lead that second unit. Yep. But again. They can maybe try to dominate that. We know that bench unit is very hot or cold, and they maybe try to go and, and, and dominate that one. Christian Brown also had a play during that bench stint, the one where it was that loose ball that he ran and chased down, dove on the floor, and then was out of bounds. Got a standing ovation at Ball Arena. Love it. For a play that didn't even, like, work. <laughs> you know what, though? No, no, that's, no, that's <laughs> wins influence. Hold on a second. Hold on a second. Are you... that? The bar went crazy for that one too. And then, Dude, the city of Denver went crazy for that one. <laughs> but I'm telling you, it's not. I think it actually was worth it because it was one of those things that was like, we're gonna run out a no, meaningless totally. play. That's so you you like we have way more energy totally. than you have. It was just like, uh, it was just like a uh, patented Kristen Brown play. Oh yeah, it yeah. Was, that was, was his chance to it make was a play. Perfect man. Yeah. He got standing ovation. Heat ball, but standing he, ovation. He was so pissed when he let that thing go. <laughs> he man. also slid really far. <laughs> Yeah, dude. It was actually like wild. And another two like trying to call timeout too. And Malone was just furious. He could didn't get the call. <laughs> I feel like he slid from like the foul line extended really all the way to really out of bounds. <laughs> it was just immediate standing ovation. I love it. Who, who was it that he beat to the ball too? Because I remember they looked to their left and they're like, Oh shit, he's going for it. Yeah, yeah. I forget. The the other thing about like Lowry or something. Yeah. He's like, someone, who, who would, is this guy? someone who would never ever dive. They also hit, um, or Duncan Robinson, they just are so afraid to play opposite of Jokic. They want to limit those minutes. And it's and for good reason, man. That is Talk about a mark. That guy, if he plays against Jokic, they need the score. They're in this weird spot, man, where they're a team that has a defensive group and an offensive group. And obviously, Duncan Robinson can help him out. Tyler Hero, if he comes back, is the same thing. But look at this Nuggets offense and tell me that any team can survive one of those guys playing heavy minutes against Jokic. You can't. He finds you. Man, it's, it's funny. Like, every defense the Nuggets go against, it's just, like, the same story. Yeah. You know, the Lakers, best defense in the playoffs. The Heat, another just great defense. It just looks the same, right? Yeah, it does. Like, the Nuggets offense just continues to look the same. There's, they get the same looks. Yeah, so they run the same stuff. Yeah, yeah. Wide open they, shots every time. This, like, they run it, like, as easily as they did the series before. They just, they're hold, the same. Hold on, Harrison. How often does Murray do a vertical dunk because he's so open he gets together? And <laughs> yeah. he did it twice. They actually get more open as the playoffs go on. Spolster gets it, too. I, he said, he's quoted saying last night, scheme will not save us. And it's, that stuff matters, right? Yeah. We talk about these things. They're important factors. But there's, there's a bottom line in, to, in, in that Denver's probably going to get some version of what they want anyway. Yeah. Yep. I will say, to give the Heat a little credit, Pat Riley and Alonzo Mourning, so gangster. Do you see their walk-in? 
Yeah. Did you see their walk? How is Pat Riley still cool? How is he still this cool? So How does cool. he still have his hair? That's he... my biggest question. <laughs> that might be. Money. He should not have hair like money. that. He's anymore. living right somehow. But those two, they showed him walking in. You know, the player walks and whatever. And usually, it's like whatever. They're all the same. Pat Riley and Alonzo Mourning looked like they were right in a Tarantino movie. They looked like uh, Pulp Fiction, yeah. where they're walking in the hallway. They just had to like. Button suit look, face, oh, no, nobody talking or looking. Just, I was just like, man, these guys. We used are... to talk about like hallway walks. Yeah. Pat Riley's <laughs> hallway famer. Hallway... hallway famer. Yeah. He is a hallway famer. <laughs> He's the most hallway famer ever. Uh, let's talk about what the streets are saying now. Oh, streets okay. are talking. The streets are, not... are talking about yeah. the Denver Nuggets. I got one for you here, you guys. Draymond Green, he picked Denver before this series on his podcast. Do you know why? Because of Jokic. <laughs> well, in so Altitude. many words. Nope, not because uh. of that. He said, and I love this, it's not a thing I thought about. He said, <laughs> if you watch how they have approached these playoffs, they don't mess around when they have a chance to close out. And mm. I was like, you know what? He's right. Most teams mess around at some point or feel out game. He's like, Denver just looks like they're ready and they're not going to waste any time. They're just, everything they do is with purpose. And I'm like, you know what? You're right. He's right. Even this Heat team that's a very serious team has some stinkers, absolute stinkers in the playoffs. Denver does not have any stinkers. And when they have a chance to close you out, as I just mentioned, it's 20 points. This to me is, is the players have to get a, the, you know, a, a large amount of credit, but to me it has the coaching staff written all over it. And you can throw the vets in there as well. Yeah. But that sort of – this is where the sort of emotional kind of micromanaging that Malone – we've seen him do over the years like this is him hitting that note correctly yeah uh, and it's he has found this balance of you guys are doing this right we're going to celebrate that but our goal was not to get to this point doing it right it has to be every night it has to be every night <laughs> what he, what was he mic'd up saying you guys are playing like you're up 30 they were up 30, <laughs> you know, but he means it like the, all, it. all of these it possessions great. matter to him. And that to me, that relentless perspective, I think, is manifesting in this team composure. Yeah. Uh, yeah. They've just been they've been they talked the talk all regular season about how we need these championship habits and we need to develop them. And now you're seeing like the fruits of that labor. Like this right. is why. Michael Malone gets so pissed after they lose to the Rockets so true, on a Tuesday in late March because like they need to build these habits because this is what happens when they do. Yeah. I mean, it's coach speak sometimes, I guess, is true. Like, I'm kind of a believer in it now. Yeah. Like, I'm a believer in like what Michael Malone has preached every regular season because like this is kind of the result of it. It's not mm. just that the roster's better. It's it's this a, stuff Yeah, too. it's a big part of it, but there's there's right, more. Right, Yeah. Another one for you. This one for you, D-Line. Bomani Jones, listening to him today, friend of the show. Sure. And he <laughs> says, the reason people are sleeping on Denver, I, we all know this, but I don't think it had been distilled this way, is because they had a very linear ascension. It stopped. And everybody treated it like it didn't, like they had just like come down the hill. Mm. They hadn't. They were. This is like if you draw the through lines from 17, 18, 19, 20, and then skip to 23, it's like a straight line. Yes. But nobody saw that. I mean, we saw it, but nobody saw that coming. And he's looking at that just saying like, this is a team that looks like 
a team that kept growing from three years ago. Yeah, you know what I would call them? What's that? Being in purgatory. Yeah. We were in purgatory for two years. We knew exactly what we had, and we just had to wait for it because it just was stolen from us by force majeure. It wasn't like that the Nuggets made a mistake. It wasn't that they mismanaged their payroll or made a bad trade. It was just like, yo, we don't have our guys. We know what this can be. We Like, they were ahead of schedule, as we said, when they made it to the Western Conference Finals in the bubble. They shouldn't have made it that far. That was miraculous. Yeah. They should have been, that was probably should have made it to a second round right. kind of team. A little ahead of schedule. A little ahead. Of, the next season should have been the season that they made it to the Western Conference Finals. And like, then they would have been prepared. They weren't ready for the Lakers at that point. That would point. have been 2021. That would have been, who was it? That was the Suns. Yeah. That was the Suns year. Yeah. Like, the Suns probably would have beat the Nuggets that year. Like, it's possible. Still, I'm just saying, like, it is, if we're talking about, but it is also entirely possible that by jumping ahead, they just actually got up higher on the ladder right. faster. Yeah. There's a good chance that the uh, that the experience they got from that would actually just translate over into mm. the next season. But we just, I, I love that. Thank you, Bomani, for that very astute observation that we've been screaming from the mountaintops. Yeah, but, and but, like, but, some would say they haven't skipped any steps. <laughs> yes, dude. Some would say that. I, I don't mean that the to sound like, them. yes, I don't, yeah. exactly, I I just mean, like, it's nice to hear people acknowledge right. that now. Like, I would take it further, too, man. The The Denver Nuggets didn't quit in those years. And not at all. Right. The front office had to We do don't this. back down against all odds. That's what we called the last two yeah. playoff series. And we talk about this winning culture, right, and this commitment to <laughs> the right stuff. They pushed through. They pushed through those seasons where you could have folded. Or what would you do on 2K? You tank for the top lottery pick. But they were like, look, we're staying the course with what we're trying to do here. And also, man, a lot of those moves that the front office got killed for, re-examine it with this context. There was a tightrope walk of we got to get this roster ready to go. Jokic is probably going to win us 50 games. We cannot compromise that starting five. We cannot compromise the future. So they were limited to things like exceptions and moves that probably wouldn't have moved the needle. But they did what they could to keep a group and an outfit together and moving in a direction towards the goal. And I think there's a chance that if they had handled those seasons differently, the focus may have been different from training camp. Right. I 100% agree. The last one I have for you from the streets, guys. I don't know if you saw Shaq yesterday after the game. Him and Chuck were doing a post game. Do, do your two streets know each other? Is this, Are these two streets? The ones that are talking to there's him probably and some, the ones that are talking to some you. Some familiarity. There's a lot of streets. Similar streets. Similar streets. There's probably some so intersections. Some street crossover. Okay. Shaq, <laughs> who never gives big men in particular anything, he's already said no yoke Superman. He's always like raved about him. He's already said he's the best player in the game, this or that. He likes him more than, even than that. Yeah. I feel like it's the first big. Maybe I'm wrong about this. I honestly feel like it's the first big since Shaq that has gotten Shaq's approval to the degree. And last night when he was talking to Jokic and basically just telling him how much he admires his game and all of this stuff. And I'm just thinking Shaq's the guy that hates every big. Right. Yeah. But I think he likes Jokic because Shaq's the thing Shaq hates about every big is how, how they don't dominate on the block. Yeah, yeah. You know how they don't just take their man and bury him under the rim. Like he always criticizes Joel Embiid for taking too many jumpers. Right. That kind of thing. Playing soft. Yeah. Basically. Jokic like kind of dominates the post like Shaq dominate. Like yes. he takes his man to the block and punishes them. 
<laughs> I just think Shaq has like that right. respect for him for that. Yeah, dude. Like Shaq likes bullies. Yeah. Shaq yeah. likes rugged players. Like he likes guys that are gonna elbow in, that are gonna I mean, like the highlights of Shaq that you see are him dunking over that guy and like sending him into an early retirement. Yeah. And it's like that. And then that like, guy throwing the ball. At yes. Shaq. And he, that, he was that, right. Chris, that, Chris Dudley, that. right? It's insane. Dudley, yeah. How do they allow him it's to insane. dunk on it's the most push it is the, dunks and then the and then teabags the worst. It is the most yeah, it is the most disrespectful yeah. thing. It's like that, he could have just slapped him in the face. And the guy yes. had to do something. Yeah. Yeah, you're right. That guy threw the ball like, I can't I just can't take just this. Take yeah, but like that's that's who Shaq is. Right. Like that's yeah. who – so when Shaq sees a guy that doesn't take anything off of anybody ever because he spent his whole life getting beat up by Nemanja and Strahania, like yeah. being the youngest of like big physical country Serbian guys, like they're so physical with each other. It's like, dude, nothing – like, you think Jokic is scared of any of these guys? But there's one more piece of this vote, and that is that Shaq, what he says about him, though, is that he's the modern-day version, basically of myself, but he's saying the modern-day version of a dominant one. And I feel like, yes, you're right, because he posts up. But he also, for the first time, I think appreciates the other parts yes. of his game. And that that's what's so do whatever cool. he wants. So uh, we've always said Jokic can help push our understanding of what dominance on a yep. basketball court looks like forward. Yeah. And I honestly think he's pushed Shaq's understanding of it forward. Yeah. Um, that it can be different than just this straight through the brick yep. wall thing. Um, to the point you guys were making, joke, Jokic jokingly said, they, were, they said, who were your influences yeah, growing yeah. up in Europe? And Jokic joked and he said, Shaq. And then Shaq thinks it over for a second and he goes, actually, thank you. Yeah, 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 think yeah. about that, dude. Think about that. He's insulted to be compared to any big that's ever played. Jokic calls himself Shaq, and Shaq goes, I'm kind of flattered. Kind all, of the, all the old players love Shaq. Did you see when Jokic went up to Barkley after the game too? Barkley had this look in his eye, like he just saw. Oh yeah, yeah, I saw like, the picture. Jesus Christ! Yeah. Like he, the the old dudes love Jokic yeah. because he's not about any of the bullshit yeah. that they hate. It's true. He's that's what's just so funny. about basketball. That's what's so funny. Dwight Howard, uh, Embiid, all these guys so desperately want those guys' approval. Yeah, Yoke being the only one that doesn't care and has it. It's the yeah. greatest irony. Irony of all of this, yeah. They're maybe not so ironic. Maybe there's something to it. Anything yeah, else from the streets? Well, the streets I was talking to <laughs> at last night's game. I'm not going to name any names. Uh, I'm not going to name any names. You've been on their podcast before, though. Um, <laughs> a lot of the streets think that this series is over. Yeah. Like I heard a lot of guys tell me last night, and I'm talking like you know national analysts who have come into town for this game. We're just talking after, and they're like. I want to pick Nuggets in five, but I just picked Nuggets in six because I kind of had to. Yeah, yeah. And a lot of people think this series is over. It's one game, man. But I. But at the same time, that's, we all. That's what the streets are saying. saying. I'm just trying, trying to keep us all grounded. No, we we, do, we need to stay grounded. Yes. But also, we want what to we, send. the what what we watched was so like completely replicable. Yeah, like there's nothing that was like, oh man, I hope that guy gets so hot again, scores 45 in the third, so we can yeah, yeah. we got to win. It was like, uh, I guess they can hope that Aaron Gordon shrinks. I don't know, is All that right. possible? All yeah. right, we got to hurry up and get out of here. We got one more break. But while we're taking this break, though, it's a short break. break. Check what's that? We have another break. Short break. Short break. So while we're taking this break, guys, we have a new clips channel on YouTube. I want you to check out DNVR Clips. Just Google it. Go subscribe to it. Uh. It's a link in the description if you want to make it even easier on yourself, but go subscribe to it right now. Really cool clips that uh, our new intern Nick has been putting together. I think you're going to enjoy. 
Join the NBA Finals action with DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA right now. New customers can place a $5 bet and score $200 in bonus bets instantly. Plus, all customers can take a shot at bigger payouts with DraftKings stepped up same game parlays. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app. Use code DNVR. New customers can place a $5 bet and score $200 in bonus bets instantly. Whoa. That's code DNVR only at DraftKings Sportsbook. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. In Massachusetts, call 800-327-5050 or visit gamblinghelpline.org. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY to 467-369. In Kansas, call 1-800-522-4700 on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort. 21 plus in most eligible states, but age varies by jurisdiction. Eligibility restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com slash Sportsbook for details and state-specific responsible gambling resources. Bonus bets expire seven days after insurance opt-in 10 plus leg required for 100 boost eligibility wagering and deposit restrictions apply terms at sportsbook.draftkings.com slash basketball terms and for a DraftKings sportsbook <laughs> pick of the week <laughs> i'm gonna unreal. take the nuggets minus eight and a half uh, points in game two bold nuggets um, minus eight and a half game two DraftKings sportsbook pick of the week love it i expect a similar game to game one maybe Man. a little higher scoring wow i love that uh all right Final segment here. We got a couple super chats. Sam Croissant. Croissant. Hashtag. He's too little. Aaron Gordon. <laughs> but does Aaron Gordon speak with a hashtag? Should that be the new uh, slogan of our playoff run? He's too little. Man, the, the official emoji of the finals. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. The, the official emoji. Yeah. You know what? I don't like this one. Too actually. small. Perth Nugs. <laughs> Thanks, Harrison. Perth Nugs. What a night. So glad to be here in person to experience this. P.S. Let me in, fellas. I'm starving. Are you outside? Because the bar is closed. <laughs> there you go. All right. Uh, you guys got any one prediction for this game on Sunday? Is there any like random prediction you have? You kind of gave one already, Wynn. Do you think it's going to be a I think a it's going to be a kind of similar game, and I just think it's going to be a little higher scoring because I bet both teams just shoot better from three. I agree. Um, so I, I think the Nuggets win by double digits again, but it's just a little better three-point shooting game. I can see a world where the Heat make an adjustment, but we get actually a big Jokic scoring game the next this next game because he just finds himself even more open to score, and he always just takes what the game gives him. Uh, but I, I mean, I, I don't know how you watch the first game and then pick anyone other than the Nuggets. KCP turnaround. Oh, uh, just think he's he's been too good. Too PCK. I gave him like a C last night, maybe a C plus. I yeah, KCP done. was like frustrated the whole game. I thought it was the first time I've seen him. Lo- focus is always the keyword. I thought he was started playing to the against the refs. He a little did, more man. Than the opponent. Yeah. But I I say that to say this. I don't. I trust KCP not to do that twice in a row. Yeah. I'm gonna go Jokic forty piece. I think it happens in game Sick. two. I think they change up, up a little bit more one on one. They probably play Zeller a little bit more, thinking like, oh, well, you don't try to do this or that. Okay, I, fifty piece. You mean? <laughs> I think it's a full. Well, I think it's a forty piece. Um, yeah, maybe his highest scoring game of this finals. Wow. And uh, I gotta say, I love the stats. You saw Jokic, Porter, Murray all getting double double, one triple double, two double doubles. Uh, I just love it, man. These stats are so dope. Jokic doing this, and if he goes from triple double to a forty piece in his first two finals games, it'd be just like, mm. it'd be pretty compelling ready. stuff. Compelling stuff. Everybody, thanks for tuning in with on a Friday. Hit that what? like button on the way out. Go follow DNVR Clips. See you next time.